Radio Network is on the air with the midday program for Wednesday and probably just about everywhere you're listening to this voice right now. By the way, that's the voice of Dirk Christensen. Uh, it's probably coming with uh, a lot of moisture in, in and around your area. And we have seen uh, just about every place that's gotten rain has uh, at least two inches of rain to show for it. It has been yeah. an absolute soaker, Joe Gangway. It has. Once it started here at our studios in Lexington, it's been a nice steady rain for quite a while. Had some rough stuff last night. so Yep, had some power outages around about, kind of spotty. And 85-mile-an-hour uh, winds over the eastern central and uh, eastern portions of the state. And now Missouri River's got a few flood warnings that's going up as well. I heard well. you talk about that, yeah, with all that rainfall. I was going to say, Dirk, you don't have to introduce yourself. Everybody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to remind myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as young as I used to be. Uh, let's go to Joe Gangwish yeah. for Ag Headlines. I can appreciate that. None of us are. None of us are. Ag News uh, trade with Mexico, of course, very important to the U.S. and Nebraska. Mexican trade officials in Lincoln yesterday. Susan Littlefield from the network was there, and she'll have an update on what was discussed. You can find out more, of course, at ruralradio.com as well. Brazil has approved the pending Dow-DuPont merger, and also in Ag News, the Beef Experience Tour, a great success here in Nebraska. We'll visit with Adam Wagner from the Nebraska Beef Council at 1213. At 1219, Chad Moyer from our sister station, KTIC fame, also along the Rural Radio Network. He'll visit with Brian Magnuson from Lindsay Manufacturing on a, a new irrigation management tool. Uh, that'll be at 1219. Newsmaker today, none other than Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue. Jesse got a chance to visit with him yesterday, and they'll talk about restructuring of positions at USDA. And then Bruce Gorder uh, uh, fills out our lineup today at 117 with Lynn Meyer, who is organizing a generational transition meeting coming up in Belvedere, Nebraska. So rounds out the afternoon for us. Sounds like a lot of good stuff. It's always nice to see something sunny on a day like today. <laughs> exactly and here exactly right. Over to Jason Jorgensen in sports. Talk some NBA coming up in sports because after a 10-day wait, the Cavaliers are back at it tonight. As the defending champs open up with the Eastern Conference Finals against the Boston Celtics. Speaking of the Celtics, how how good is it for them right now? They made the Eastern Conference Finals. Then due to a trade they made four years ago, they ended up with the number one draft pick in the NBA draft lottery last night. So Celtics go number one. Mm -hmm. Lakers go two. They need help. And then Philadelphia, it seems like they're always getting one of the top picks, and every year they're terrible. (laughs) They're number three. Well, Well, they are. Maybe it's just Philadelphia. I don't know, but the Sixers... (laughs) This isn't yeah. Dr. J's Sixers anymore. And, I was just going to say, ever ever since Dr. J and uh, Charles Barkley and, and, uh, and Mr. Mr. Round Mound of Rebound himself, and they did have that run when Allen Iverson played, and they made the finals at one time. But yeah. uh, it's been a while, so we'll touch on all of that. Also, we'll tell you about a Midland pitcher last night. National tournament threw 158 pitches. Oh, my heavens. He's probably a little sore today. I would think. All right, Bob Brogan, on business. Thanks for leading U.S. stock indexes sharply lower in midday training. Ford is going to cut about 1,400 jobs in order to increase their profit. And uh, target profits jump, surprisingly. So they're... Uh, they're a little bit, uh, you know, clinking their glasses together today. All of these stories plus weather and more today on Midday. 
Rain, rain. Once it got started, Paul Perkins, it just won't stop, and it's not going to stop for a while. Not whatsoever. We, of course, have rain today. More rain is expected for tomorrow night into Friday. Tonight, we're going to be in between systems, and we do have some severe weather to talk about this morning. Uh, winds gusting to 61 miles per hour at the Smith Center Airport. We do have a significant weather advisory for Mitchell, Southeast Jewel, and Southeast Osborne County until 12:15. Strong thunderstorm right now near Scandia. That is moving to the east at about 10 miles per hour. Uh, some penny-sized hail and winds in excess of 40 miles per hour possible with that storm. There's also now a flood warning for northeast Phillips County, all of Webster County, southern Franklin, and southeast Harlan County until 11:30 tonight. Several inches of water covering Highway 136 just west of Innavale in Webster County. Water also covering a lot of low-lying portions of county roads. Three to four inches of rain have already fallen, and some spots measuring four more than four inches, including right near the Innavale area, over four and a half inches of rain. And some locations that may experience some flooding include Alma, Red Cloud, Franklin, Republican City, also Napanee, the Harlan County Dam, and Rosemont and Innavale. We also have a report by law enforcement of a funnel cloud near Cortland, Kansas. No warnings or advisories being issued with this, but within the last half hour, they did report a funnel cloud a mile east of Cortland, Kansas, which is just to the north of Concordia, Kansas. Ag weather is being brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer in Holdridge, Lexington, Alda, and Ravenna. So what does the afternoon hold for us? Looks like that rain and thunderstorm activity continuing to expand in coverage. This thanks to some low pressure tracking northeast out of Kansas. Should be into northwest Iowa by tomorrow. Much cooler temperatures with this system and less instability, limiting the chance for some severe thunderstorms and severe weather. There is, though, a slight risk later today of severe storms from Omaha and Lincoln south to the northeast corner of Kansas. Those rain chances lingering over the north and east tonight. Most of us will be in between systems, so we will see some clearing in some areas. Another area of low pressure expected out of the Rockies tomorrow. That'll slowly move to the northeast through Saturday. More rain and a few thunderstorms likely with this system. The greatest chances tomorrow night and Friday. Now from north to south, additional rain totals. This is additional rain totals of three-quarters to an inch and a half of rain are likely with this next system. The severe threat tomorrow going to be over Kansas. There's a slight risk in the north and east and extreme west, south of I-70 in Kansas and the west and central. They are looking at an enhanced to moderate risk, so a pretty high risk of some severe weather over Kansas for tomorrow. That rain gradually ends Saturday as the area of low pressure slowly exits. Some high pressure settles in for Saturday night and Sunday. That will return some dry weather for a time. Another system expected for another chance of rain and thunderstorms Sunday night in the Monday. In the long-term forecast, chances remain good, especially early on. Temperatures will be cooler than normal Monday through May 30th, and that does include the Memorial Day weekend, cooler than normal. Now, it won't be a washout precipitation forecast right now, expecting near normal to below normal precipitation for Nebraska and most of Kansas Monday through May 30th. Much of southern Kansas expected to be wetter than normal. Soil temperatures nearly unchanged from yesterday. This morning at the 4-inch depth at 7. Soil temperatures in the upper 50s in the Panhandle and extreme southwest Nebraska, the northwest corner of Kansas. Most of us with soil temperatures in the low 60s. The warmest of those soil temperatures in the mid to upper 60s over southeast Nebraska 
and central and east Kansas. Weather factors affecting market decisions today include a volatile and stormy trend across the Midwest and wet conditions continuing in the southern plains, an extremely active weather pattern of heavy rain, severe thunderstorms, and local flooding across the nation's midsection expected in the next three days. More planting disruptions expected in the northern plains and northwest Midwest the next several days. There was, though, notable planting progress in the northern plains before these storms arrived. Eastern areas of the Midwest will be drier for another two days before more rain over the weekend. Storms with heavy rain in the southern plains the next few days will help out with soil moisture for the wheat crop, but there will be a threat from hail and high winds. A freeze threat also needs to be watched when Saturday morning lows cool to the mid to upper 30s in northwest Kansas and eastern Colorado. Periods of rain in central Brazil will favor their filling corn. Argentina, cooler through the end of the week for some delay in the harvest. In Europe, an inch or more of rain the past week. Rather timely for the wheat that was beset with dryness from France to Germany. Beneficial rain in north-central Ukraine the past week eased their soil moisture deficits after a long dry spell, but more rain is still needed for them. Ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. You can phone them at 308-995-4000. Bumpiest weather looks to be stretching from about Hebron down toward Russell right now. Some hail, nickel size in that. Yes, uh, and yeah, most of us, uh, especially north of I-80 in central Nebraska, getting some rain right now. Some rumbles of thunder out there. All right. We'll watch it for you all afternoon, as we always do 24-7 here. And when you need weather anytime, it's krvn.com. Important discussions concerning NAFTA taking place this week. I'm Joe Gangwish with Ag News here on the Rural Radio Network. All the talk about revitalizing NAFTA has one group of producers nervous. Let's get more on that from Susan Littlefield. Ryan Legrand is the director for the U.S. Grains Council in Mexico. He's seen firsthand all the discussion of NAFTA and what it's meant to growers in the country, especially the younger producers. Right, they're nervous. They're nervous. I mean, the, the, the young producers, especially, all they have ever known is the United States as a supplier. And all they have ever known is that they are a loyal customer to the United States. So when we start hearing, uh, you know, the potential for NAFTA to get thrown out the window, it makes a lot of people nervous and uh, makes a lot of people uncertain about the future. You know, again, I'll, I'll say what I did in Panama. Uh, Mexico is a loyal and true customer to the United States. Uh, the United States is a very reliable supplier to Mexico, and we want to continue to build upon and strengthen that relationship. And he said that's why meetings that have taken place the last few days here in the United States are very important to the producers back in Mexico. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Brazil approved the planned merger of Dow Chemical and DuPont today, conditioned on a global divestment plan, including its Brazilian corn seed business. The board of antitrust agency Cade unanimously approved the recommendation from technical staff that was proposed asset sales would be enough to address competitive concerns about the $130 billion merger between the U.S. chemical giants. Chefs, dietitians, bloggers, and food service professionals, guests on the Beef Experience Tour that was hosted earlier this month by the Nebraska Beef Council. The tour attendees were visitors from across the country and is offered up each year to help attendees better understand the various segments of the beef community 
community and how farmers and ranchers work together to raise quality beef products. Adam Wagner is Director of Marketing for the Nebraska Beef Council. And here in Nebraska, we've just got a real unique opportunity to uh, tell the story of beef production really from pasture to plate. We had uh, 16 individuals from across the country that joined us for a tour of a ranch, a feed yard, a grain farm, and a packing plant. And the idea was really to give those individuals a first-hand look at how beef is raised and let them interact directly with the farmers and ranchers. The tour included a visit to Kenobi Feed Yards near West Point, Paragon Ranch near Fullerton, also Lowski Farms outside of Columbus, and wrapped up with a visit to Cargill Meat Solutions Harvest Facility in Schuyler. And Wagner said for uh, some on the tour, it was the first opportunity to visit a farm or ranch. USDA's Risk Management Agency this week announced greater crop insurance options for farmers against unexpected decreases in their operating margin. Offered through the Federal Crop Insurance Program, margin protection insurance for corn, wheat, and soybeans will be available in more states and have updates designed to better clarify the real input costs covered beginning in 2018. RMA is expanding margin protection for corn and soybeans in 11 states, including Nebraska and Kansas. And USDA USDA Secretary Sonny Perdue says international trade will be critical to bringing an end to the year-long farm slump. In his first testimony before the House Ag Committee since taking the helm of the agency a few weeks ago, he said, we've got to sell our way out of this supply-demand situation that is depressing prices in the U.S. right now. He says key to turbocharging overseas crop sales will be the undersecretary's regular presence and deal-making in foreign markets. He says this guy's going to be a million-mile flyer around the world. More ag information at RuralRadio.com. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Rural Radio Network. Let's talk about a new irrigation management tool that's been made available by Lindsay. It's called FieldNet Advisor. Here to tell us a little bit more about it is Brian Magnuson. He is Vice President of Technology with Lindsay Corporation. If you said this is new, this is different than anything else that's on the market right now. So what is FieldNet Advisor? FieldNet Advisor is really a software tool that's built into our existing FieldNet platform. All of the growers out there today that already have FieldNet hardware on their pivots, which comes standard on, on new Zomatic pivots, but can be added on to any brand of electrical pivot. That gives you the ability to remotely kind of control and monitor your pivot from, from your cell phone, from your computer, from anywhere you've got an internet connection. What FieldNet Advisor does is it really takes that to the next level. And so once they've planted their field, they just go into the FieldNet portal that they already have access to. Essentially, they would enter their crop type, what hybrid they planted, uh, and then what date they planted that on. And then what FieldNet Advisor does is it takes over and it, it pulls in, it automatically pulls in a, a soil map of that field. It combines that soil map with the information about the crop. And then we actually purchase hyper-local weather that's field-specific. You know, we know what the hourly temperature is, the min, the max. We know the solar radiation. We know the rainfall and all the other variables that we need to be able to calculate the actual evapotranspiration of the crop that's happening on an hourly basis throughout the growing season. And, uh, and FieldNet Advisor then kind of does all of those complex calculations to create a soil water balance so that the farmer can see actually on a map or on a list view what's the current kind of depletion level of the water within the soil, how much water do 
does the crop need? How close are they to stressing that crop? And then they can make sure that they're starting starting their irrigation systems and running them, you know, before that crop ever gets close to entering crop stress. You can also avoid unnecessary irrigation events. And that was through our field trials we did last summer. One of the really big kind of benefits and I think takeaways that growers saw was that, you know, they could have, you know, significant water savings. You know, one of the case studies that we published showed that the grower had actually saved 17% water while actually increasing his yield 3% on the field that he was irrigating using the field net advisor prescriptions versus the field right next to it with all the same conditions that he had irrigated kind of using his traditional method of knowing when and how much to irrigate. So a field net advisor, is this going to be available for the 2017 growing season? Yeah, absolutely. So this tool will be available for purchase starting on May 15th. And like I say, once a once a grower is set up on field net, there's really no additional hardware. So you can go into your existing field net account. There's a button that just says, you know, add field and it'll walk you through, uh, walk you through the setup process that takes about five minutes and uh, and you're off. The last thing that uh, I'd mention is that a lot of growers have heard about the benefit of variable rate irrigation and I think everybody agrees that there there is value in, in using variable rate irrigation but up till now it's been incredibly hard to take advantage of and one of the unique features is that FieldNet Advisor actually generates continuously updated VRI prescriptions for the grower. So those prescriptions are updated in real time as that crop is developing as you're applying irrigation it takes into account the as applied irrigation as you're applying it to continuously provide the grower with a VRI plan to really let them optimize you know the water application across their entire field all right very good again the website that he was talking about to get more information on this fieldnetadvisor.com brian it's been good to visit with you thanks for coming on and telling us about this new tool absolutely thanks chad we've been visiting with brian magnuson vice president technology with Lindsay corporation telling us about the new fieldnet advisor irrigation management tool chad moyer reporting you're listening to midday on the rural radio network and it's time to check sports with jason jorgenden Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, the Cleveland Cavaliers finally have an opponent after a 10-day wait. The defending champs open up the Eastern Conference Finals tonight against the Celtics. The Celtics are coming up that Game 7 semifinal win over the Wizards, while the Cavaliers have been resting since completing their sweep of the Toronto Raptors way back on May 7th. Golden State Warriors are heading to San Antonio with a two-games-to-none lead in the NBA's Western Conference Finals. Following their 136-100 dismantling of the Spurs last night, and San Antonio coach Greg Popovich admits it was a long night at the office. Call it like it is, and we, we didn't come to play. We felt sorry for ourselves. We need to get slapped and come back and play Game 3 and see who we are. That's what I'm anxious for. Game three of the series is set for Saturday in San Antonio. Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett continue to pay dividends for the Celtics. Boston won the NBA draft lottery last night, and that means they'll have the number one pick this summer. The selection was secured through a 2013 deal that sent Pierce and Garnett to the Nets. Brooklyn finished with the worst record in the league this season, but the Celtics had the right to swap picks with the Nets following their draft night trade of four years ago. The Lakers moved up to second in the draft after posting the NBA's third worst record. Two of baseball's biggest surprises square off when the Rockies take on Minnesota tonight in an interleague matchup of first-place teams. 
Colorado took game one of that series last night, 7-3. And Royals left-hander Jason Vargas takes a 13-inning scoreless streak into his start against the Yankees. The 34-year-old veteran has suddenly emerged as one of the Yale's top performers coming off of Tommy John surgery a while back. He leads the league with a 1.01 ERA through seven starts. And Midland University picked up a win last night in the Bartonsville bracket of the NAIA baseball tournament as they beat Bryan College 20-10. to They will play in an elimination game this afternoon. Now Midland ace Kiefer Musial might be a little sore today. Last night he made big news by throwing 158 pitches in that game as he worked through the first six and two-thirds innings. Now the Concordia baseball team was knocked out of the Hutchinson bracket late last night as they fell to Tabor College 12-11. That is a look at sports. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Rain and possibly a thunderstorm before 2 p.m., then showers likely, and possibly a thunderstorm between 2 and 4, then a chance of thunderstorms after 4, with a high of near 65 today. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low of around 48, and then for your Thursday, a 20% chance of showers after 1 p.m., cloudy with a high near 61. From the News Center, I'm Scott Foster. Governor Pete Ricketts was in Blair yesterday for an announcement of a big expansion by Novozymes. They are going to do a $36 million expansion in Blair that will be adding on some new jobs. It will actually increase the capacity at the plant by quite a bit, by about 50% actually. And so that is great news for Nebraska. And this is how we grow the state. Novozymes, based in Denmark, produces enzymes for renewable fuels such as ethanol. It currently employs about 115 people in Blair. A rash of bank robberies in eastern Nebraska has prompted the FBI and other law enforcement agencies to team up. Special Agent Randall Ticey says that the task force will deal with bank robberies in the metro area, but he says bank security has caused some robbers to move to smaller communities. The, the smaller communities, I think they're more trusting. They know their customer base. They don't have the security features that the larger inner uh, in-town banks have. In recent weeks, the Two Rivers Bank in Arlington and the First Bank of Bancroft were robbed. There have been about 42 armed bank robberies in the last 17 months, and 33 of them may be related. Powerful winds and heavy rain have ripped through eastern Nebraska, leaving behind damaged homes, farms, and businesses, and thousands of people without electricity. Wind gusts to 85 miles per hour at the National Weather Service office in Valley on Tuesday night, and an 80-mile-per-hour gust was reported in Papillion. National Weather Service meteorologist Kathy Zabatakny says 2.1 inches of rain was reported Tuesday night in Swanton in Saline County, but more rain was expected. A funnel cloud was spotted three miles northeast of Exeter, but no damage was reported. The high winds knocked trees and limbs into power lines in several areas. The Omaha Public Power District says nearly 1,700 customers remained without power Wednesday morning. Governor Pete Ricketts is touting Nebraska's trade relationship with Mexico as the Trump administration prepares for new talks with Mexico and Canada over the North American Free Trade Agreement. Ricketts says NAFTA plays a crucial role for Nebraska corn producers and helps support an estimated 34,000 jobs in the state. He made the comments during a, a news conference at the Capitol with Mexican trade delegation and national agricultural groups. Whether you miss a game or you need to replay that on-air interview, catch up with the podcast at krvn.com. From the News Center, I'm Scott Foster.
With the new administration comes changes. We're going to get an update now from USDA. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. On the phone with us, all the way from Washington, D.C., is the Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue. You were able to make an announcement that you are restructuring USDA and what that looks like on the executive level. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what that will look like? Well, thank you, Jesse. I appreciate the opportunity. It's good to be with you and your listeners this afternoon. Uh, here's what our plans, and I, I welcome the opportunity. You may realize or may know that in the 2014 Farm Bill, Congress requested, in fact, uh, insisted that a Undersecretary for Trade uh, be instituted. Uh, we've taken that at their word because, as I went around and visited with all the members of Congress, trade was at the top of their list. We know that farm prices are depressed now, and uh, we've got to sell our way out of this uh, bounty harvest that we've had over the last three or four years, and that's what this person of trade is going to do. With a foreign ag service having been in with our domestic farm service agency before, they were kind of bifurcated missions. They went two different ways. I wanted someone who gets up every day thinking, how in the world can I sell, where can I sell, what can I sell of American farm products around the world today? And we know people do business with people whether it's traveling all the time, being there on their front door, uh, when these things are discussed. I wanted a chief salesman for U.S. ag products because our, our, our farmers and ranchers are so productive, uh, we have a bountiful uh, supply that we need to uh, ship to a hungry world. So that was the idea for the Secretary of Trade. It under Secretary of Trade. It came obviously from Congress, and we wanted to comply with their wishes. Secondly, uh, in looking at the customer-facing, the domestic type of agencies, I thought there was a benefit in having co-location of not only the farm service agency, the risk management of the crop insurance, but also the NRCS, our conservation arm. And I want them to be in an area where we speak with one heart, one mind, one spirit, and also one database. I know I heard from many producers and a lot of our former customers talked about having to go in and fill out multiple applications when they wanted to uh, make programs in FSA and in RCS. So we're going to try to get these domestic agencies together. My mission, my goal is to uh, make the United States Department of Agriculture the best managed, the most customer-friendly, most efficient, most effective organization in the United States government. I want our producers and ultimately our taxpayers to say, I'm proud of the government service that we're getting out of USDA. So that's our mission there. I know there's uh, probably more questions about the elevation of the rural development position just up to my level. I wanted in rural development. I'm a product of rural America, and I'm a product of, uh, of, of the farm, diversified row crop farm, and my goal in this elevation of the rural development uh, assistant secretary is to put them right by my side. I'm not a micromanager, but I'm a hands-on manager, and I want to be intimately and directly involved in deploying the awesome resources of USDA and rural development. And I ask people to watch me and uh, let the proof be in the pudding about how effective we are in using the resources of rural development and USDA to make sure that the executive order that President uh, Trump signed about rural prosperity, interagency cooperation, for rural prosperity comes to bear. That's my that's my goal, and that's what we plan to do. 
When it comes towards the Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation, when can producers expect to see these changes, and what changes is it going to look like from the producer's point of view? Well, from the producer's point of view, we want them to walk into one location and to be greeted by someone there, whether it's NRCS or whether it's uh, FSA or, or some receptionist there, and find out what that person needs, how they can help them and direct them to the right person, and uh, and not uh, have to go across the hall or down the, down the way or maybe across the street or across town to get those answers. We want it to be a, a customer-friendly location uh, that we experience in the, in some of our uh, in some of our retail locations. We want to serve that customer. The organization is going to take a little time, uh, as you might know. Any any reorg realignment of that. The the good news is each of these agents, each of these sub cabinet areas will have their own administrator and own director. Uh, the Farm Service Agency will, the NRCS will, and the RMA will. None of the missions will change. We're simply realigning the customer experience where they can come in and take care of their business without having to go more than one place or fill out more than one application or uh, have the same database. We want not only our people to be talking, we want our databases to be talking to one another where people can feel like I've already done that. If you've been to a health care facility sometimes, you fill out the same form ten times and uh, you wonder why can't we get all that together. There was some of that going on between NRCS and FSA, and we want to resolve that. Now, the rumor mill has already been going about who might be those nominations for undersecretary. Can you give us an update and maybe possibly a timeline for these names and these people? Well, we've submitted some recommendations to the president and the White House. They're reviewing those. That's the president's call, and uh, I'm sure he'll be announcing those very soon. We've got a a great proposed team put together in place to uh, to serve these areas. USDA is a massive organization, and any organization, large or small, depends on the quality of its people. The good news is we've got a 100,000-plus dedicated career employees here who've been at the job, been working, keeping USDA operating, and I'm honored to be part of their team as we go forward. We've been talking with USDA Secretary Sonny Perdue about the restructuring of USDA. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Let's get a review of the livestock futures trade from Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, hey, uh, interesting day because we're happened to the volatility. It kind of left, uh, left the stadium, I guess. Uh, uh, we finished... A little bit higher in the cattle, uh, pretty quiet trade actually. Uh, started out higher, went lower, and came back and finishing higher. So, but not the kind of volume and not the volatility we've seen lately. Uh, I think the market uh, into some more profit taking, waiting some uh, some real cash trade, uh, other than just uh, bits and pieces that have been coming through. So and and for the most part, that's been lower, and the cutouts were lower at noon today. So uh, just a little bit different, but uh, because of the discounts that we're carrying on the uh, live cattle, uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, uh, we're well discounted, so uh, that kept uh, kept the market from uh, any further uh, downside today. It appears, and the feeders, uh, uh, same thing. Uh, front, 
although they're uh, basically still just a bit of a premium. Uh, but a pretty quiet trade even there. Over in the hogs, another kind of quiet trade. We're going to finish mixed. Uh, cash seemed to be a little bit softer today. Uh, the cutouts uh, seem pretty uh, pretty good. Uh, but uh, once again, we're well ahead of the index. Even though the index has really come up, uh, we're within $5 now. So uh, the... Uh, market taking a, a little breather appears and uh, but all in all still a fairly positive day all the way around thanks joe joe teal great plains commodities dewey nelson reporting i'm bruce Gorder on the rural radio network handing the farmer ranch down to the next generation can be a complicated process or it can work smoothly with that in mind the nebraska grazing lands coalition nebraska extension and the nebraska environmental trust sponsoring a generational transition meeting i asked lynn meyer organizer from hyannis about some of the speakers there'll be a panel of ranchers plus we have a very talented transition lawyer that will help step people through the generalities of transition what are some of the topics you're going to be talking about lynn at this meeting it's passing the assets passing the ranches passing your operation on to the next generation one of the biggest problems is the lack of communications is probably the biggest pitfall of any transition or any death or anything that's what usually breaks up a good smooth transition is it hasn't been been talked about and discussed and some compromise and understanding going on between between all the parties i would imagine it's very important to spell out how that pie is going to be divvied up before a tragic event happens most of the time when you see an operation break up after a death is it wasn't talked about ahead of time and people does don't understand what mom and dad wanted in in essence mom and dad the one that made it they they probably all have a pretty good say so on what how it's distributed most of us have a, a real want to pass the legacy on and that really is what transition is is passing on a legacy from from the older generations to the new ones well in your operation there at hyannis uh, you know that full well that that's been happening for generations with you actually our grandkids will be the seventh generation to own the place here. Lynn, I imagine this meeting could be for more than just farmers and ranchers. And I really would like to emphasize this isn't just for agriculture people. Anybody with any kind of assets, businesses, that you want to pass it on to the next generation, there will be information given that will help you in transitioning whatever kind of of transition that you need to take and have we'll we'll be able to give you some insight you don't know what it's like till you walk in the moccasins and and having a bunch of people that's in their moccasins talk about it and tell you some of the trials and tribulations and some of the triumphs that's the thing that's most important the triumphs that can be made if you do stuff right how much smoother than the transition is and how people stay family not be split up because of well i think i deserve this and you don't deserve that if it's talked about it helps a lot it doesn't eliminate all the problems there's always going to be some problems but a good discussion good roundtable 
kitchen table discussions about stuff and put me, letting people know what mom and dad wants and what the next generation wants and learning to care enough to compromise and make it good for the whole is what this program is really designed to do. Again, the meeting is June 12th at the Belvedere Community Building in Belvedere, and you can pre-register by contacting your local extension office or call 308-268-3105. That's 308-268-3105. I'm Bruce Gorder on the Rural Radio Network. Grain markets today. We saw the corn and wheat finish a little higher, but soybeans just a little bit lower. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Let's get an analysis of this from John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. What what was the story? Well, the story starts out with wheat. We had a tender by Egypt over the weekend, world's largest buyer, uh, and it came out to be... Uh, Pretty bullish, in our opinion. We got new crop tenders. This is kind of what they're looking for this this, this next year's harvest and what they're going to pay for. And basically, the tender is like a, an auction. They're going to say, "Okay, we're going to buy. Who wants to sell it to us?" And they said, uh, basically, um, the offers came in well above where they are right now. And I think that's what popped it this morning. And from there, I think corn has the ability to rally. Uh, wheat really is going to be the the, the biggest thing here uh, to watch, given that you know that's going to lead the feed markets higher. We have had uh, confirmation of a couple of sales of wheat to Egypt, most of that coming from Russia and uh, some other places, but the U.S. was included on that. It's, but, you know, it's the overall price, and I think it's important to, for everybody to know on the wheat side, we are price takers now. We aren't, it's not corn, it's not soybeans, where we actually dominate the supply that goes around the globe. We do, we do not dominate wheat. We are a small fraction of the export market, and, and in reality, when those export markets and those overseas markets rally, we're going to catch a move. It's almost like, it's hard to say you guys in Nebraska, you guys are price price givers on the corn side. You grow so much relative to the country's production. But if you were a producer on, say, Delaware or, you know, Kentucky, for example, they're hoping you guys run. So in the case of the U.S., we want their wheat we want France to have problems. We want Russia to have problems. Not so much because we're going to take their business, but because it'll, it'll levitate the entire market and essentially give us an opportunity to, to, to maybe get some of that business and maybe rise price. But in the short run here, we, the way I see it, especially on the feed side, is you need wheat prices to rally or at least come off the floor to show some inflation there. And then I think corn can trade closer to $4 just on a sideways market. As you know, we're trading 370, which is essentially where we've been for the last month. That's essentially kind of the, the middle of the market now. And I think if we can get wheat moving up closer to 5, I think the middle of the market maybe is closer to 390. And weather is going to be an important factor. If it continues to be wet in this winter wheat belt, that means possibly enhancing disease. Absolutely. And I think the feed prices are going to fall here. Protein is key. If you are sitting on high-protein wheat, I would store it, I would hold it, and I would wait for high bids. I think they're coming. Thanks. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Corn was three and a half to three and three quarters higher. Soybeans a half to one and a quarter lower. Kansas City wheat two to two and a half higher. Pretty much the same in Chicago. I'm Dewey Nelson.